Hello and welcome to another episode of the Powered by Positivity podcast with me, your host, Laura Murray, where we will talk all things fitness, health, mindset, nutrition and lifestyle. I'm absolutely delighted to have been joined by Pat Divoli for this episode to talk about journaling and meditation. Pat outlines how to journal, how journaling can be used as a practical tool, the different types of journaling and his tips for starting out. We also talk meditation. Pat talks about the practical side of meditation and removing the hippy-dippy misconceptions around it, the benefits that it can have. If you're a skeptic or it's something that you haven't yet been open to trying, please keep listening. Pat has also very kindly shared his 14-day self-awareness challenge workbook that will guide you to see increased productivity, confidence and calm and hopefully will change your perception of journaling and meditation if you do still have any hesitations after listening to this podcast. If you'd like your very own free copy of the workbook, simply share this podcast on your social media, tag myself and Pat and DM me your email address on Instagram. I hope you enjoy listening. And just before we jump right into this episode, I want to mention our sponsors, Fit Foods at Dublin Meat Company. I'm a massive fan of their healthy ready meals, protein pots, soups and weekly fit food bundles, all MSG free and macro friendly. Check out DublinMeatCompany.com to order click and collect from any of their six shops in Dublin and Drogheda, open seven days a week. You can also order for delivery straight to your door, available in Dublin seven days a week and nationwide now Tuesday to Friday. For 10% off your order, enter the code LAURAPYP at the checkout. Eat well, live well. This podcast is also sponsored by Aeromuscle.ie, your one-stop online shop for high-quality sports nutrition and supplements, including their range of high-quality CBD products. For 10% discount, use the code PYP10 at the checkout, supporting you for all of your health supplement and sports nutrition needs. And finally, this podcast is produced by Primal Productions, and you can find their details in the show notes below. Pat Divoli, hello. Hello, hello from sunny Galway. <laughs> hello from sunny Dublin. Well, at least it's sunny, that's something. I mean, what else can we ask for? <laughs> Do you know, it makes such a difference. It's like... Uh, oh, I know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's insane. Everyone's out on their walk with smiles on their faces, marching along today instead yeah, of having the heads down. And Exactly. Everyone's sound all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Smiling at each other through their masks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How's um, things? Not too bad at all. How are you getting on? I'm good. I'm busy. Kept going with uh, different projects and different things that I'm working on and courses I'm going through. But all is good yeah. in the world. I'm happy to be I'm grateful for where I'm living, um, particularly during lockdown, because yeah. I was traveling a lot the last couple of years. But living beside the beach has just been a blessing. So that's why I'm late for this call is because uh, <laughs> I, I was out walking and I under- oh, we let you away with it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit slower than I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, the sunshine has to be enjoyed while it's there. Um, I'm the same. I'm so grateful to be near the the coast as well here um, and to have lots of greenery and space around. So. Mm. Um, there is, there's lots to be grateful for and we got to remember that as tough as it has been and can get. Um, so Pat, I'm going to let you introduce yourself to any, for anybody who might not know who you are mm. yet. Um, I'll let you jump straight in and tell us who is Pat Dively and what does Pat Dively do? <laughs> um, <laughs> 
who am I now? Uh, I'm a coach and a speaker and a podcaster and an author now. That's my work, I suppose, uh, mainly around mental and emotional health. And then outside of work, I'm a jiu-jitsu purple belt and I'm a sea swimmer and I'm a meditator and I'm a traveler and I like climbing mountains. So I'm kind of, I like doing different things, but my background Initially, I came from the fitness space. So that was kind of my passion since I was a kid. And I came out of college back in 2009. I haven't told this story in a while. But I used to tell this story all the time. But uh, fitness was the first thing in life that gave me confidence. And so it was kind of my natural progression to go and pursue that as a career. Even though going back to 2009, there wasn't much of an industry in Ireland. There would have been Carl Henry, um, Body Byrne, Paul Byrne. Those were the two trainers. Outside of that, it was just guys working in gyms, really. Um or in hotel gyms and stuff like that. But um, I went to Dublin, uh, thought I'm going to become something here and coming from the small town of Galway, I'm going to be successful and ultimately failed with a business up there when I was 24, which brought me back to Galway. And I really struggled with my mental health after that failure because I think in retrospect, I'd never, and I never had confidence growing up. And I always thought, you know, when I achieve things, then I'll be confident. And I was dead set on becoming a success story that people would look to and say oh he you know he made it I knew him when we were younger and just all stemming from insecurity and so I came back to Galway um as I say there wasn't much of an industry so I kind of had to give up at that point and I decided to go back to college and study physiotherapy so I was working in a pizza shop here in Galway moved back in with my parents and I said I'll start saving some money to go back and do physio I got a place on a physio course that fell through and I said feck it I'm going to go and teach some classes just to keep me keep one foot in the fitness industry, I'll start teaching classes on the local beach. And um, it took off. So I went from five clients to 100 clients in a couple of months and then to 500 clients in a year. And then over the next five years, it went to 20,000 clients globally through my online courses and a couple of books and big charity fundraisers. And kind of a lot happened in a couple of years. So that was the professional side of things. And I suppose the personal side of things was I woke up at 28 and I was still struggling with my mental health. Um so I had always thought that when I achieve things, I'll be happy. And when I get somewhere, I'll be happy. And I ticked every box and I was still struggling. So at that point, I went back to psychiatrists and psychotherapists. And I said, look, I've achieved all the goals. It didn't work. What do I do? And that's where I got into meditation, journaling, breath work, and came to this stuff through necessity. And now I suppose I share it. And my, my kind of approach is that we look after our physical fitness. So we have physical health and I think we should look after our mental fitness. So we have mental health. Um, and what I, what I tell people is even if you're the fittest person in the world, you can do all the juices and, 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 and whatever else in the world you you'll still have physical health challenges, but you'll have a better chance of coming up, you know, coming up against them. Same way that we can journal, we can meditate, we'll still have mental health challenges, but we, we, we we've a better ability to handle them. So that's kind of me. Yeah, it's that's so true, though, what you said about like looking after your mental health as well as your physical health. Um, I think it was I was listening to Jerry Hussey before one of his talks and he said, why is it when, you know, when we look at somebody who's physically fit and looks in good shape and healthy walking down the road, we kind of naturally assume, oh, they work out and they must, you know, they must go to the gym or they must train and work out and look after their physical health. But when we see somebody who seems confident and happy and secure, why is it then when we hear that they go to therapy or that they do certain practices to maintain good mental health that we're surprised? Because... Yeah. It's by doing that work, that inner work that we get to that point where we are happy and confident. And um, I think as well, like much like yourself, I 
started out, I'm I'm a personal trainer and coach as well. And that's kind of where you started working um, with your coaching. And I think through my own journey and self-development thus far, as well as working with so many different people on bettering themselves and transforming their health and their fitness and their bodies and their lives, um, it's really become apparent how important the mind is in terms of change and that it's really probably the most integral part of any transformation, whether it's physical or otherwise. Um, which is why I like I myself, I remember when I heard about like the likes of journaling and daily affirmations and gratitudes first in my early 20s, I thought it was insane. I was like, what is this madness? <laughs> like, no, that's hippy dippy bullshit. Not, not a chance am I going to do that. Yeah. But it's only when you kind of realise you know, when you start to have those struggles or those doubts and, and realise, OK, maybe I need to be a bit more open to doing the inner work as well as the outer. Um, yeah, I mean, um, as I say, I went from a very few clients to a lot of clients. And the thing that was really interesting to me was why are these people getting different results when they're getting the same support, the same plans, the same amount of time in the gym? And ultimately, I thought what it boiled down to was the stories they were telling themselves without even realising it. So if you've got an unconscious belief that, you've got bad genetics or that you'd never stay consistent or that, um, you know, the gym is miserable or whatever it is. We've got beliefs about a million different things. Um, if you're unaware of what those beliefs are, they run the show because there's this graph I saw years ago from CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, and it makes huge sense. It says the stories that you tell yourself or your beliefs impact your feelings. So when I tell myself I've got bad genetics, I feel hopeless and your feelings impact your actions. So when you feel hopeless, you probably self-sabotage and then you don't get the results and you just get caught in this loop. And so if you change the story just to something a little bit more empowering, as fluffy as it might seem, but if my new story goes from I have bad genetics to I do things daily to invest in my health, now I feel hopeful. And when I feel hopeful, I take action and it just becomes a new cycle. So it can't be underestimated the way we talk to ourselves. And the way I put it to people very simply is, you know, in terms of our mental and emotional wellness, we wouldn't talk to our friends the way we talk to ourselves and we wouldn't abandon our friends the way we abandon ourselves when we feel difficult emotions. Like most of us, when we feel difficult emotions, we make them wrong. And so when they come up for us, we turn to addictive behaviors rather than turn into self-care. And it's a little bit like being a fair weather friend where, you know, my friend is sad. So I'm like, I'm not hanging out with you today. We did the same thing to ourselves. It's like when I'm sad, I won't be with myself. I'll try to escape myself. So I think it's really important just to give people practical tools. Um, I don't think everyone has to go to a psychologist or a therapist. I think this stuff can be readily available and then maybe people will go to therapy at some stage, but we didn't learn this stuff in school. So I think it's important. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, there there was none of this sort of stuff in school. It's stuff we kind, we kind of had to find for ourselves. Um, so in terms of these kind of practical things that you said that you, we can do, um, I know journaling is is a huge part of the coaching that you do with um, with your clients now. Um, talk to me about the journaling side of coaching or journaling as a practical tool or even how to journal tips for somebody who might want to start out journaling and doesn't really know where to start. Yeah, so maybe to give um, a bit of context back, um, my 20s, well, from the time I was 13, I started reading personal development books, whatever led me to mm. Tony Robbins and this stuff that early on. So I spent 13 up until 26, probably. At the age of 13? Yeah, honest to God, I, I was obsessed. <laughs> like, yeah, fit, fit, Fitness and personal development since I was 13. I joined the gym That's at 13. Brilliant. Obsessed. And um but it was funny, like back when I was 14, 15, a friend of mine said to me in school, if the success books are that good, why don't you read one and become successful? And it kind of left me stumped. But yeah. 13 years later, I was 26 and I went to a retreat and the retreat was really expensive for the week. But I was convinced, 
the answers are in this retreat. You know, you always think the next yeah. book or the next this retreat. This one will fix me. Yeah. 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 And uh, I turn up to this thing and um, the guy handed us a journal and he said, I want you to go off for an hour and find some quiet place and write about. And he gave us a topic to write about. And I was doing the calculations in my head and I was saying, I've just after spending like 500 euro for this first day of the retreat or it was more. Maybe it was a lot of money for the first day of the retreat to write for an hour and I thought maybe tomorrow he'll share the good stuff and the next day he got us journaling again and the next day and the next day and the next day and for nine days or seven days whatever it was we just wrote in a journal and then came back and talked about it and what it did was it made me realize that no one is ever going to have the answers to my stuff I can read all the books in the world but no one's ever going to know my history my beliefs my stories my fears my insecurities my doubts and you have to get that stuff out because a lot of us think we lack clarity and we lack self-awareness and we lack all well actually we all think we're self-aware but we all lack self-awareness but we think we lack clarity we don't lack clarity we just have too much noise coming in and so to me journaling is it's just a chance to mm, listen to yourself so we all have a voice inside of us and um there's so many external voices that override that voice inside of us so to me it's just creating a bit of space where there's a whisper inside of you that most of us stamp down on by spending too much time on social media and listening to too many other people's opinions and when you journal or you meditate you create a bit of space where the whisper gets a little bit louder and if you do it for long enough it gets to the point where you can't ignore your own truth um that's why to journal i suppose and yeah that's that's a hugely valid point i mean learning more about everything and about you know cbt or nlp it's it's key to our self-development on some level and it has been key to my own self-development and as well how i can help others evolve and and in with my clients but and in the understanding I suppose in the complex of the complexity of the human mind and the power of it but without actually being subjective and doing the inner work and looking at yourself and what's going on with you you can take in all of that information you can read as many of those self-help books or do as many courses as as you know, you can find, but unless you're addressing what is going on with you and doing the deep inner work, then none of that, you're not going to be able to apply it and use it. Yeah. And look, the funny thing with the personal development world, personal development's become a huge addiction to people. They just want yeah. more and more and more. And it's just a form of procrastination. And like the reason it's called work is because it's real work. Like the inner work is real work. That's mm. reading books is easy and getting through books. And you know, it comes to mind that I met Darian Yates years ago at some event and I, and Darian Yates one of the best bodybuilders ever and I've heard him on podcasts and I've been kind of taken aback by how little he knows about yeah. different forms of training because he just found what worked and he just did it and did it and did it and did it and it was yeah. he wasn't distracted by shiny lights and different plans and you know other people's things he just found what worked and he did it consistently and I think yeah. we we all and we, I had a group there last month journaling and meditating and some of them were emailing and they said we've oh it's been amazing the journaling and meditation um you know what do I do next I said, well, the course continues on Monday. You can come back and join us again for the month. But it's this yeah. kind of thing of, oh, we got to find something new and shiny. It's like, well, if it works, keep yeah. doing it. Yeah, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And, and that's to so, so true. Um, sorry, go ahead, Pat. You were, no, I'm, you were just, um, I'm just thinking in terms of the, the yeah, the, so the practicalities of journal um, journaling. The, uh, another quick example I share sometimes is Ed Sheeran once was asked about how he writes music. Um, some like singers, some young kid asked him, like, how do, you write, how do you write great music? And he said, it's a little bit like turning on a tap that hasn't been used in a while. When you turn on the tap, it spits out dirty water at first and you have to let it flow for a while and then the good stuff comes. So there's a bit of that there as well that you have to kind of allow some of the noise in your head to get on paper before you get clarity. Um, 
in terms of how to do it, there's a bunch of ways to journal. Um, you know, we hear the simple idea of just having simple prompts, like what am I grateful for? You know, what are my priorities? Um, who, who am I grateful for? Um, what were my wins today? There's lots of prompts like that. Um, there is um, morning pages is a great way of journaling, which is um, a form of, and we can go into specifics on any of these because I'll, I'll throw a few ideas, but morning pages came from a lady called Julia, Julia Cameron, who wrote the, the Artist's Way, and that was for helping people overcome um, blocks and creativity. But that's where you just set a timer for 20 minutes and you just write stream of consciousness, which means you just write whatever's on your mind and you don't filter it, you don't read it, you don't, um, nothing, you just write. And so you might sit down, you might say, I don't know what to write today. And so you write that down. And then the next thing comes to you. Wow, it's amazing how when I don't know what to write, but I just write what's on my mind, it comes down. And then the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And you just do it. it it's amazing. I've had people that have been in therapy for 20 years and they've done that. And they've said it's had a bigger impact in, you know, 90 days than years of therapy. Um, so that's morning pages. There's expressive writing where you can go back to some of your more traumatic experiences in life and you can write about them and really fully express them and um, that's something people could look into I'd look into it further I would just go and do it but um i find i found expressive writings really useful because you can kind of make you kind of come full circle with events because sometimes we suppress events because they were traumatic or whatever it might be and they're, they're kind of still there in the background so that's a way of kind of working through them that can be difficult but but empowering um yeah the, the, look there's so many ways and then there's there's just asking yourself questions the way i look at journaling is if you've got any relationship in your life, you've got to consistently invest in the relationship with new experience. And I say there's three things you need to improve relationship. You've got to take time with the person. You've got to be present with the person and you've got to uh, have new experiences or ask new questions. So you can't ask the same question every day and strengthen a relationship. You can't be on your phone all the time and you can't neglect the person. But then with ourselves, we are on our phones all the time. We don't take time for ourselves. And we have 60 to 90,000 thoughts a day, they say, and they say 95% of the thoughts we have today will be the same as yesterday. So what that means is really we think that we're thinking, but really we're remembering. And so when you journal, you're thinking for the first time in a while. You're not just recreating your conditioning, you're thinking of new ideas. And so I just ask myself questions, like I'll ask a question of what am I afraid of? What do I not want to regret when I die? Um, you know, what am I most proud of in life? There's a million things you can ask and just write about it for 15 minutes. It's easy. Yeah. <laughs> we think yeah. we make it harder than it needs to be. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's just creating like a safe space for you to put your thoughts on paper and put them out of your head for a moment and then kind of address them in a way. Yeah, I said, what did I, I, I heard this great story um, the other day, I'll probably butcher it a little bit, but it was about a guy that was over in Africa and he was a tourist, some Westerner that went to Africa and they were moving from one village to another and the local porters were carrying all the stuff and they're making great headway. And then around midday, the porters sat down and they weren't moving again. And he said, what's the story? Like, are we not carrying on? They said, now we're done for the day. And he said, well, you look fresh. Can we not like move on? And they said, nah, we're waiting for our soul to catch up with us. And I thought it was nice. It was kind of like, we're not going to go at a million miles an hour all day just because we got a lot done so far. We're not just going to like work ourselves into the ground. So I think journaling is a chance to connect with your soul in terms of like not having to do all the time, not having to achieve anything. It's not about ticking a box. It's not about um, a result. It's just about a process. It's just like doing it for the sake of doing it and getting in flow. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's actually, that's a, that's a really nice story. I don't think you butchered it. <laughs> it made sense. <laughs> um, 
So in terms of um, like daily journaling and journaling first thing in the morning, have you any kind of step by step that you, you follow yourself or that you advise people to follow if they're starting out or are quite new to journaling? Yeah, I mean, personally, I do morning pages. So I just do three pages full scap of uh, stream of consciousness. So whatever's on my mind, I just dump it on paper and you don't re you don't reread it. You don't filter it. Um, you don't do anything with it. You just write and then you close the book and you never look at it again. And it's amazing how it clears your mind. Um, but for people starting out, the really simple prompts, I would encourage them to take 10 minutes in the morning or five even and five at night. And the morning questions I would ask, what three things am I grateful for? People have heard that one before, but the thing I add to that that could be useful is to put your why as well. So as an example, rather than say, I'm grateful for my dad, you'd say, I'm grateful for my dad. And then because... And then you'd fill in the blank because what that does is it makes you think a little bit deeper. So, you know, I'm grateful for the gym. Okay. Why? Well, I'm grateful for the gym because it allows me to protect my mental health and physical health. Now it goes a layer deeper. So I do three things I'm grateful for and why I would do three priorities for the day. And what I tell people with that is we all have a to-do list, but you can think about a to-do list and a success list as two different things. To-do list is the things you have to do just to get through the day and just to survive. A success list is the stuff that consciously moves you forward. And then the third, third question that's useful in the morning is what am I excited for today? And um, because a lot of us live for the next holiday or the next achievement or next goal. And this ensures there's something to be excited by every day, no matter how small it is. And then in the evening, I ask three questions and they are, what were my three mini wins today? Because your confidence comes from the past. We think it's at the end of the next goal, but it actually comes the way I put that to people is if your kid comes home from school and they say, I did this and this and this and this and this, and you just looked at them and said, well, what's next? You'd wreck their self-esteem. Um, so you acknowledge their progress and then you say, how are you going to build upon this? So you could say, what were my three wins today and how can I build upon them tomorrow? And then my other two questions in the evening are, what did I learn today? Because we need to be learning all the time. And uh, who did I help is a useful question. And that's that's a really simple process for people. Three questions morning, three questions evening, a couple of minutes. And it's just the compound effect over time. It makes a big difference. Yeah, I love that. I actually hadn't had never um, heard of the what am I excited for today one. So I must start including that. It's really, really good. I generally would use the gratitudes and affirmations in the mornings and evenings. And then um, same with the the wins. What were my wins today? And then I do like to kind of say, OK, what could have went better today and what can I do tomorrow to change that? Yeah. Um, one other nice one is um, what what feeling would I like to create today? And then what am I willing to do to create that feeling? So you might say, I want to feel calm. And then you follow mm. up with, what am I willing to do to create a feeling of calm? And it could be 10 minutes of meditation. I want to feel yeah. exci excited. What am I willing to do? Put on Ricky Martin, live in La Vida Loca and dance <laughs> around exactly the kitchen. That's exactly my go-to when I want to <laughs> yeah. get excited. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, no, I really like that one as well. Um, so you mentioned just there meditation, if you want to feel calm um, talk to me about meditation um, and what advice you'd give to skeptics. I um, know that there, there's still a lot of people out there who believe that meditation has to be this, you know, big orchestrated, almost religious experience where you have to be sitting, you know, in your your um, cross-legged lotus, cross-legged yeah. lotus pose, you know, with a shrine to Buddha and candles and sage burning. But it's <laughs> not. It can be so simple and such a practical tool. It's funny. You might end up there. I have an altar now in my bedroom with all my my sage. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you don't need to start there. Um, I have sage here too, but we won't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Hippie bullshit. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
a lot of people come out with statements like, oh, I exercise my meditation. I don't really buy that, to be honest. I think that's a different thing. Um, so there's a couple of, a couple of layers to this. The first, I, I mentioned going to the psychiatrist and psychologist and stuff when I was 28 after like just being completely confused. Like, why have I achieved all the things and I'm still not happy? And it's, it's easy when you, when, you, when you fail at things and you can point to what's missing in your life, you can say, oh, that's why I'm not happy. But when you get the things and then you still feel sad, you think there's something really wrong with you. But the lady said to me, and I've used the analogy since, she said, you have a fire alarm in your house and the fire alarm is there to keep you safe. So if there's a fire in the house, the fire alarm goes and you can escape. She said that fire alarm becomes a pain in the ass if it goes every time you use the toaster. And so she said, similarly, you've got the fight or flight response in your body, which is there to keep you safe. So when a car pulls out in front of me, I can jump out of the way because of fight or flight response, the stress response. But she said, your fight or flight response is going every time you use the toaster. In other words, it's going every time you have any little worry, you're constantly in a chronic state of stress. So my first encouragement to people would be to think that even on a physical level, if there's no spiritual connotation, if there's no need to empty the mind, if there's nothing to do with emotional processing, if none of that if you throw all that out the window and you just think that if I give myself 10 minutes to consciously breathe, I'm putting myself from a state of fight or flight to a state of rest and digest, that's beneficial in itself. And what people need to remember is, so there's two parts of the nervous system, mainly there's fight or flight response, which is the sympathetic. And then there's parasympathetic, which is rest and digest. Modern day, we're chronically in this state of fight or flight because there's a lot of stress in the world. We're thinking about the future. We're worried about the past. We're drinking lots of coffee, lots of sugar, lots of screens, lots of notifications. Especially right now, even more than ever. Yeah, uncertainty. There's a million different things. And the way you can think of it is we've got this old brain from thousands of years ago that's living in a weird world. And someone said the other day to me that you have to be a little bit mad to stay sane in this crazy world. And they were saying, it's not that we're sick. The world is sick. We're not mentally sick. The world is sick and it's making us sick. Um, so like the environment, we're not designed to be in this environment. But in any case, um, the the way you can think about it is on a very simple level, there's this idea of the try-in brain, um, which I think is a really good way of looking at it. So if you think about the brain in three parts, the oldest part of the brain is the reptilian brain, and this is all about survival. And then you had the mammalian brain. As we evolved into tribes, the mammalian brain is more about the limbic brain, like the, the emotions. So we all have an attachment. Uh, we we, we, we want to be attached to other people. We don't want to be rejected. We don't want to be abandoned. And then above that, you've got the kind of um, I suppose the the human operating system, the human mind that's creative and logical. So you've got these three parts of the brain, but what we forget is that when we're stressed, we fall back into the reptilian brain. And when we fear judgment and we fall in love or whatever it might be, and we fear rejection, we fall into the limbic part of the brain. And so there's that expression when you're doing stupid stuff that you're out of your mind and we are literally out of our mind. And so if I'm stressed, I could know exactly what to eat and how to train but I'll fall back into reptilian brain. And what that means is I go into survival mode. And in survival mode, you go to your automatic behaviors, you go to your patterns. And so when I'm in survival mode, everything else shuts down. Like it doesn't, sleep is not important when you're trying to fight a tiger. Um, sex is not important when you're trying to fight a tiger. Uh, recovery, rest, rejuvenation. So all these things, if you're in a chronic state of stress, everything goes by the wayside. Um, and so back to your question on meditation, even if it's 10 minutes to drop into rest and digest and send a signal to my body and mind that I'm relaxed and I'm okay, there's huge benefits in that. And once you start feeling the physical benefits, then you start noticing the mental benefits. I say it to people that on a very simple level, the quality of your breath will typically 
mirror the quality of your mind in other words yeah i've heard my, that before and it's like my, my breath is fast my mind tends to be fast my breath is yeah. slow and calm it tends to be the same yeah and it is so true and sometimes you don't even realize that you're not you're not you're breathing shallow or you're breathing really fast and if you just come back to your breath and come back to yourself a little bit you you instinctively start to feel calmer just by even noticing your breath um and how how would you sell that to to people who are still skeptical like how what would you suggest to somebody who is like okay maybe I'll give it a go where can they start um, there's two things I would I would give first uh, as kind of misconceptions maybe or, or, or challenges that people face. I think if people recognize the challenges, it'll make it easier. So I think the first challenge is people think you're supposed to empty your mind. So that's not what you're supposed to, you know, you're not looking to empty your mind, empty your mind, your mind won't stop. Um, the thing that actually brought me, we can come to that in a second, but the thing that brought me to meditation was Wim Hof. I did a week with Wim in Poland back in 2016. And that kind of was an introduction, but um, you're not, it's not about emptying your mind. What you're doing with meditation is you create an anchor. So the anchor sometimes is the breath. So you focus on your breath. Um, anchor sometimes is um, a mantra. So you repeat a word in your head. And uh, another mantra, or another anchor might be um, someone's voice if they're guiding a visualization. And what will happen throughout the meditation is your mind will wander. And your goal is just catch yourself every time it wanders and come back to the mantra. So in a 10 minute meditation, your mind might wander 50, 60, 100, 200 times. But every time you catch yourself and you come back, so as a simple example, if maybe your mantra is flower. So you close your eyes for 10 minutes and you just repeat flower, 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 flower. And then the mind goes to what I'm having for dinner. You say, oh, wait, I'm gone. I need to come back flower. So misconception one is people think you're supposed to close the mind or empty the mind. I tell people it's like the gym. Every time you do a push-up, you get a little bit stronger. And every time you catch yourself and come back to whatever your anchor is, you strengthen your ability to be in the present moment, which is what you're trying to do. The other thing I just try to make people aware of is one of the challenges we have with meditation is you don't see linear progress in the same way you do with other things. So like fitness, if I go to the gym today and I do five push-ups and I can do six tomorrow, I say, oh, I'm making progress here. Whereas you don't get that instant feedback with meditation. So you kind of have to yeah, have a level of trust. Or, yeah. which, which does make it tricky. Um, so my yeah. encouragement to people will be really simple. Um, there's a breath I'm sure you've heard of called the box breath. Um, yes, yeah. And this is what I would do alongside the, the, the prompts I was talking about earlier. So there's a couple of prompts in the morning. Before doing those prompts, I would settle your body and mind by doing the box breath. So the box breath is basically you inhale through your nose for four seconds deep into your belly. What that does is send a signal to the body and mind that I'm relaxed and I'm calm. Um, if you think about how we breathe, a lot of the time it's shallow and it barely fills the top of the lungs. We want to go deep into the belly. So four second inhale, and then you hold your breath for four seconds, and then you exhale for four seconds, and then you hold for four seconds. And I would just set a timer for five minutes in the morning and I would do that. And then I'd repeat that in the evening for five minutes. And that would be my starting point. And the challenge for people listening will be try that for 14 days and just see how the benefits are. And if you see benefits, you'll keep going. That's the nature of any habitual change, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. Like you really do. You can't, you, there's no way of, I suppose, tracking it or, or being like, look, these are the results that I achieved. You have to try it yourself. There's no, there's no way to show somebody what can be achieved through meditation. Um, and it is, I'd love actually anybody, if anybody does try it and has listened to this and is trying that 14 day challenge on Pat's recommendation, please tag us and share <laughs> this podcast and let us know if you felt the benefits. 
and how and, much better you feel. And, you know, when people say things like I don't have time, um, I mean, I'm not trying to force anyone to meditate. I don't really care. You know, <laughs> it, it, help, it helps me. I would love to see people doing it if they think it'll help yeah. them, but I'm not trying to convert anyone. But, you know, when we say we don't have the time, you know, it's crazy how much time we spend on our phones. And the mad thing is how the hardest thing in the world in the modern world seems to be to sit in silence with ourselves like that seems to be like that shouldn't be difficult really in theory i mean i i, I find it difficult too but that's how distracted yeah. we, we've become so it is kind of it's mad <laughs> yeah and it really is a challenge like you said like it, it to, to sit and like not habitually just pick up your phone and end up scrolling without even realizing um but that's it that's one of like one of the other benefits of it as well as just being more comfortable spending time with yourself and becoming more comfortable spending time with yourself and noticing your thoughts and your breaths and how you actually do feel um how was the Wim Hof talk to me about the the breath work and breathing and um the the retreat that you did with with Wim Hof um I'm trying to think back as to how 2016 I, now wasn't it it's a long time ago yeah. yeah i'm trying to think what actually brought me I, I remember doing wims he had a 10-week course i don't know if he still does that and um i did the course online and then i went and spent time with it. what i found great with the wim hof people not familiar with the wim hof it's basically a kind of active breathing it's a yogic form of breathing and um, the wim has really popularized the last couple of years and what you do is you do really really active breathing so 40 big breaths you fill your belly and chest and then you let go 40 times and then you do a breath retention so you'll hold your breath for 30 seconds 45 seconds a minute two minutes it might even be you do this a couple of times what i found great with it was it get the anchor there is one is you're filling you're taking big breaths here and like that's that's you got to think about that that just doesn't happen naturally so again when i close my eyes and meditate my my breath is very calm and subtle and my mind is busy but when you're thinking about big breaths your mind kind of slows a little bit and then when you do breath retention you've kind of got something to focus on oh i'm trying to hold my breath trying to hold my breath trying to hold my breath so for me at that time it just proved a kind of good gateway drug to meditation um i would do a couple of rounds and it would be really exhilarating and energizing in the body and then at the end i would just sit there for five to ten minutes and meditate and then eventually i gave up the whim and i just um just meditated and now i've come back to doing different forms of breath work for like an hour an hour and a half at a time that are kind of <laughs> put you in some crazy states um but yeah it's interesting amazing and did when you were on that retreat did you do any of the like i know he's a fan of the kind of cold water immersion and um yeah, twice a day we were in. So we were up at his house. He had a ice, um, he had an ice bath at the house. So we'd get into the ice yeah. for a couple of minutes, and then we'd be out doing the horse dance, and then back in the ice, and back in and out twice a day. And then we were oh doing sauna and the cold. It was cool. It was really yeah. cool. Um, I'd say yeah. And sea swimming has become so so popular now yeah, as well yeah. for people, and um, it's great to see everyone out and getting back to nature. And um, I think Wim Hof was kind of one of the first people to kind of make that a little bit more popular and you know the ice bath thing and the benefits of it as well yeah i mean what that does um it brings you into the present moment you don't worry about what you're having for dinner or what you had for breakfast when you're in the cold and you're just trying to settle yourself it also shows you the power of breath because you're panic like your body goes into this shock and you gotta like just exhale oh, oh. That's a tip for anyone. If anyone's ever stressed and, and overwhelmed, just take a couple of long exhales. Like that's the simplest tip in the world is when you double up on your exhale, make your exhale twice as long as your inhale. That's the fastest way to, you know, 
go into the calm calm part of the nervous system um but yeah the sea the sea swimming has been a blessing for me as well i mean um it's just yeah there's just something in it there's something in salt water as well i mean 75 i think 70 percent of our our body is is water and 70 percent of the earth earth is water so there's there's some link there and my friend my friend who's a surfer was saying to me it's mad how we've wrecked the environment and now because of wrecking the environment we've got covid and now we're going back to the environment trying to heal ourselves (laughs) (laughs) that's so true it's a good way of putting it very real um before i let you go pat what is the best advice that you've ever been given um what's the best advice i've ever been my dad just when i was younger used to just tell me to kind of um keep the head down and and not be looking for praise or approval or validation but i had to go and get all that stuff before i realized that i wanted a quiet life um so i think um I think my dad just always told me to keep it simple and I've kind of, my life has gotten a lot simpler the last couple of years and I'm a lot happy for, happier for it. So I think when you make peace with yourself, everything's easy. Um, if you're at war with yourself, everything's hard, even if it looks nice on paper, I think, um, yeah, you just come back to yourself and, and, uh, come to like yourself and accept yourself. And that means there's a lot of like well-meaning people on social media that put out these positive quotes and stuff, but like the real work again is like, making peace with the parts of yourself you don't like and you find difficult and the emotions that are, are challenging and um maybe just one thing to leave people with on the emotional front because we, we didn't touch too much on the emotions but um something i've found really useful and it's very simple is to just encourage people to recognize that every difficult feeling or emotion you experience points to an unmet need and if you can be with the emotion and ask yourself, what am I feeling? And get clear on what you're feeling rather than run away from it and make it wrong. So you might say, oh, I feel lonely. And then ask, what's the unmet need? You might say, well, the unmet need when I feel lonely is connection. And then ask yourself, how can I meet connection in a healthy way? Because when we don't check in like that, what tends to happen is we'll reach for alcohol or gambling or porn or whatever it might be. And what we're, what we're trying to do is unconsciously fulfill upon the need. So we're trying to get connection but we're doing it in a disempowering way that leads to shame. And so that might just be a little tool for people. Um, How do I feel? What do I need? How do I meet that in a healthy way? And similarly, when you're pissed off with your partner, um, your frustrations also point out my needs. So rather than saying to your partner, you never make time for me, you would check in. How do I feel? I feel like my partner's not prioritizing me. What do I need? I need them to take time for me. And you can just communicate in a healthier way. Um, you're not criticizing. And when your partner criticizes you, you do the same thing. You take your criticism and you ask, what's their own need? So when they say, you never listen to me, I can take that as a personal attack or I can say, what's the need? Um, so, yeah. 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 Much better way to look at things and, and to actually resolve and move forward rather than keep going in circles because the same issues and the same problems and um, things like that will keep occurring until they're dealt with or until we've kind of realized what it is that needs to change. And wh- where it all ties in there with the meditation is that when you're meditating, you become a little bit more aware of this stuff. And so you don't fall into reptilian brain where you're fighting for your way of seeing the world. You get a perspective a bit quicker. You don't need to be right all the time. Um, you just need to, you know, uh, you, you respond rather than react is probably the easiest way of putting it. Yeah. Awesome. So for anybody out there, any skeptics who haven't yet tried meditation or haven't been as open as you may be now to meditation, 
um, Pat's recommendations for getting started is your box breathing in the morning and your journal prompts, as he spoke about there. If you do try them, please do tag us and let us know. Um, and Pat, you actually have a journaling meditation course at the moment, don't you? Is that running monthly or is it what what way can people oh, jump on board? I'm not, with you? I'm not a very good businessman. <laughs> I just book courses now every now and then. So I don't know. It's uh, uh, no, they can't join. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys, it's closed. No, well, look, what I will do no, is I'll, I'll, pop. I'll, t- I'll tell you what I have. Um, there's a there's a meditation app called Insight Timer. You can get it on Insight yeah. Timer. Um, and it's got 100,000 free meditations on there. I'm one of the teachers on there. So I've got a bunch of free meditations you can do ranging from five minutes up to 25 minutes. Um, awesome. So, yeah, that's worth a look. Awesome and free. Even better. Um, I will pop um, links to where you can find Pat's instagram handle um website and that inside timer app as well um in the show notes below and please do reach out if you guys have any questions for pat or myself based on any of what we spoke about today and um, pat thank you so so much it has been Daily, an absolute you. privilege to have you on today and um so i much. hope you get plenty more sea swims in while the sunshine lasts now over the next few days yes yes you too thank you thanks a million pat Thank you so, so much for listening. And I really do hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions, thoughts or feedback, feel free to get in touch with myself or Pat. Our details are in the show notes below. And as mentioned at the very start of this podcast, if you would like your very own copy of Pat's journaling workbook, please do just share this podcast on your stories, Instagram or Facebook. Tag myself and Pat and DM me your email address and I will get one over to you. Thanks once again for all of your support, for listening, for all of the likes, follows and shares. Please do continue to share the podcast on your social media and to follow on whatever forum that you're listening as all of your support really makes all the difference and means that I can continue to bring these episodes to you. Thank you so much and catch you on the next one.